Good afternoon. Hopefully we already are feeling that song, that indeed God is real. We've had a great time to worship together, a great testimony by Lawrence, a great time of taking communion led by Scott. And uh, one of the things that has made God more and more real to me is His Word. And we're going to continue to uh, study out uh, the book of Philippians together today. Uh, and uh, before we do that, a couple things. Um, first off, just want to listen to the teen ministry in our church. Uh, very exciting. Last uh, Friday we got together, we had the first annual Teen Garden Olympics. Inspired by Team GB, there were events, medals were won, the victory, uh, you know, uh, the victory, the agony of defeat, all those things occurred. And uh, we talked about 1 Corinthians 9 at the end of the night, you know, where Paul says, run in such a way as to get the prize. Uh, and I just really want to lift up the team ministry and the Burnham Church and I look forward to our year together as the school year approaches, doing great things for God. Uh, as I said, you can be turning to the book of Philippians. Uh, we have been diving through this uh, bit by bit. And we're going to pick it up in chapter 2, verse 5 here in a moment. Uh, one last thing before we jump into Philippians 2, uh, verse 5. Uh, the, our church comes together. We're all over the city. We're in many parts of this uh, great area. And, uh, but we come together, uh, really all together, uh, just six times a month. Uh, we meet here every Sunday at 4 p.m. And if you're visiting with us, please come back next Sunday. We'll be right back here, same time, same place. Hopefully we'll start on time. Our sound equipment was stuck in the elevator, so we were a little bit delayed. We apologize for that. Uh, but amen, God provided a miracle and the stuff came out. Uh, and that was awesome. Um, uh, but we also get together twice a month, the first and second Fridays of the month. Uh, we're supposed to meet together here as a church as well. I was at those first two meetings because I've been there about a month. Uh, and needless to say, the room is a lot emptier on Friday night than it is on Sunday afternoon. Now, I understand some people cannot make it on Friday night. I get that. Some people have work. Some people have other commitments. But I really want to encourage every member of the Birmingham Church to try to make those two meetings. We're going to be uh, doing a series of workshops to really help the church grow in a new direction together. And we really love to see everyone who's able to be there the first two Fridays of every month here. Uh, show up at 7. We'll start about 7.30. And I really want to encourage everyone to make that who's a member of the Birmingham Church. Last Sunday, uh, we talked about uh, keeping together from Philippians chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 4. And it was all about this idea of how Jesus can inspire us to great things. And one of those great things is our unity. The fact that we have to stay together. And that's not so easy uh, in life. And hopefully we were inspired. Hopefully we were convicted. But my question after a week is what did you do about that inspiration in this last week? What did you do with that conviction that God put on your heart? And so hopefully we're working on our unity in light of what Paul taught us in Philippians 2, verses 1 through 4. But if we still need some work, he goes on, right? And that's what we're going to look at here uh, in verse 5. Read with me together. In Philippians 2, verse 5, Paul goes on to speak to the church in Philippi. He says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then he goes on in verses 6 through 11 to, to quote what most scholars believe is an early hymn that the church would sing in the first century. And he refers to Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, in verse 9, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge 
that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so Paul continues uh, to call the church in Philippi and us to great unity by picturing their great Jesus. Uh, so the title of the sermon today is Keep Adjusting. We've got to keep together, but we've got to keep adjusting to stay together. You know, adjusting over and over and over can be difficult. I myself am not from these parts, as you probably can tell. Uh, that's an American accent that comes out of my mouth. And, uh, you know, it's been interesting. I've lived in America, you know, most of my life. I spent the last four years in Australia where they speak English, but as Scott displayed, a little bit differently than they do here in England. And so now I'm in my third different type of English-speaking country, having not been here in Birmingham for about a month. And so it's quite interesting, you know, for me, you know, greeting someone from coming from the States, I say, hey, what's up? I would do that in Australia and people would look up. They would, they would be very confused by that statement. In Australia, they'll often say, how you going, mate? How you going, mate? And so I, I, I developed that over time and I've probably said that to some of you, you know, unbeknownst to me since I've been here. But, it, but in, in Birmingham, it, it's even thrown me even more. They say, you all right? You all right? And at first, my wife and I thought we looked ill or, you know, we looked confused. Or we, but we figured out, oh, that's a greeting. That's like saying, hello, how are you? And so I, I'm adjusting. I'm adjusting. Bear with me and bear with her. Football. Growing up in America, well, football, there's shoulder pads, there's a helmet. You throw the ball, you catch it. Well, in Australia, uh, you know, it, 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 it's, it's a version of rugby, but it's called Australian Football uh, League, AFL. And you, you kick the rugby ball forward, you can tackle each other, you have to kick it through the uprights to get a try. And the referees do this really cool, funny thing. Uh, they play it a lot in Victoria, which is one of the states in Australia. That's actually what football is in Australia. But moving here to England, I've been corrected many times already. Football is played with a soccer ball. And, uh, and so I'm learning. I'm learning to say football uh, here in, 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 instead of soccer. So, but again, bear with me. I've got to keep adjusting. And Paul here calls the church in Philippi and us to an attitude adjustment, doesn't he? Here in verse 5, he says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus. Other translations, the older NIV says, have the same attitude as Jesus. The same mindset, the same attitude as Jesus. That Christ-like attitude adjustment Paul is calling uh, them to. And this is a very Christian concept to continue to change the way that we think. Because often we act based on how we think, whether that's good or bad uh, in the end. Uh, it's a very inspiring passage, uh, Philippians 2, uh, in the whole, when you take verses 1 through 11. And many people have written uh, about this particular section of Scripture. Tom Jones is a brother in our churches who writes a lot of books. He said this, he says, No passage Paul ever wrote more clearly states what is involved in being a disciple of Jesus. That's a pretty strong statement. He says it means looking into Jesus' mind and seeing his attitude then striving with all that is within us to have that same mind and attitude. And then he says, No man should ever dare call himself a Christian unless this is his passion. The same attitude as Jesus. The same mindset as Jesus. I need this because generally when I have an attitude, it's a bad one. When I think of attitude in my life, it's usually a negative connotation. I don't know how you are, but that's generally what I see when I think of an attitude in my life. But here it says that you can have an attitude forest, but it needs to be a Christ-like attitude. That's the only attitude a Christian should have. Amen? 
And so in verses 6 through 10, the passage, you know, it goes on to inspire this Christ-like attitude with this amazing parabolic statement about Jesus. And I have a little illustration here to help us out. We're going to dive into this further here uh, as we study through the text. But it says, it starts out in verse 6, how Jesus started in the highest place. It says in verse 6, he was in his very nature God, right? And that refers, of course, to Jesus' origin before he came to the earth, that he was with God. He was co-eternally and co-with God in heaven. He was in the highest place. John 1 speaks of this specifically. It refers to Jesus as, as the Word uh, in, in English, which is logos in Greek, which was this all-encompassing force the Greeks believed in. Uh, and and so, so we know from what the New Testament says is that Jesus wasn't always on the earth. He, before he came to the earth as a man, he was, in, he was with God in heaven. and He was one with God, part of the Trinity uh, of God. And it says uh, in the scripture that he was, he was, though, in his very nature, God. And, and, and this Greek word for nature that we see in verse 6 uh, is the Greek word, it's the Greek word morphe. And uh, there it is on the slide. Great, yeah. It's the Greek word morphe. And, it, and it, it can be translated, you know, many ways. And English is, is, is very colorful language. And so many words, right, can mean uh, many different ways. The, the new, new NIV uh, translated, of course, in, in very nature, God. Um, the, the Greek word could also be form, in very form God, or in, in very part of God, or in, in the appearance of God. Uh, but, but the scholars believe that that doesn't actually show Jesus' full nature of him being God. And so that would belittle Jesus. And so a better English word for us today might be essence. In his very essence, in his core, Jesus was God. The incarnation, the idea that God would become a man, is mind-blowing. Just think about that for a moment. Just, just that God would choose to leave heaven. The biblical view of heaven is it's Eden. It's perfect. It's paradise restored and fulfilled. It's everything we long for all the time, all the time. That's the biblical view of heaven. Jesus chose to leave that to come down to the earth, right? To come down to the earth as a man. And that's what this, this, this hymn in verses 6 to 10 starts to make clear that, that God, God left that in the form of Jesus and came down as a man. The incarnation, it's, it's absolutely blow away stuff. That, that God would leave a place that's perfect for a place full of hurt, disease, war, pain, and misery. But that's what Jesus did in the incarnation. And so the incarnation is really one of the most shocking miracles that the Bible states that Jesus performed. Because when we find something comforting, something amazing, something peaceful, we, we try to hang on to it. But Jesus, uh, as he became a man, willingly gave that up. As he became God in the flesh, which is the, the, the miracle we call, right, the incarnation. And it says in, in verse 6, he did not use his equality with God to his own advantage. Right? He, he, didn't, just, he didn't just come to the earth as, as a God king. You know, handsome, you know, full of money, influential, powerful. No. The, it goes on, right, to say he, he took on the very nature of a servant. He came as no one. He, he came as nothing. And we don't really even know what he did. Uh, there's a few things about his, his childhood in the Gospels, but most of his, his first 30 years of his life are in obscurity. We don't even know what he was doing. Most people think he was just doing carpentry work with his father Joseph, right? So, so Jesus, not, not only did he leave heaven, and that was already humble enough, but he showed up as, a, as an ordinary man. No, not as an ordinary man. Read the beginning of the Gospels. He showed up as a baby. God became not, not a man at first, but a baby. He went through everything we were supposed to go through and will go through as a human to fully understand us and relate to us. 
And that, and, and that already would be enough, wouldn't it? To, to make us think, to make us consider, hmm, who is this Jesus guy? But he goes further, doesn't he? He then humbles himself so much that he humbles himself to the point of death, it says here in this great text. He humbled himself in verse 8 and became obedient to death. And Paul notes, even death on a cross. Even death on a cross. You know, it's interesting that there's so much here we can talk about. He, he, he came to earth as, as, as a servant, it says, right? Um, that, that phrase for servant is, is what they would use for slave. And so he, he, he emptied himself completely of any rights he could have had as a human. That's, that's how low he went when he came. But then he went even lower. Because he died, it says, uh, you know, on the cross, right? For our sins, as we've talked about already during the communion. Uh, but what's interesting is Galatians 3 verse uh, 13 uh, from a Jewish standpoint, Jesus' death on the cross uh, was, was a very low thing. Paul actually says Christ redeemed us in Galatians 3, verse 13, from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Curse is everyone who is hung on a pole. He quotes Deuteronomy 23. The Jews believed the worst way to die was to be hung on a tree and that you were cursed by God. So it was a very lowly form of death according to a Jew. But the Roman mindset, Roman law, a Roman citizen could not be crucified. That was illegal. And so, again, the church in Philippi, that was a, a retired Roman military colony. And so, again, just over and over and over, the text just, it just pours out the humility of Christ. In every way, shape, and form, you know, he went as low as he could possibly go. So Jesus goes from the highest of highs... The pinnacle of everything that a man could and would be, and God Himself, to the lowest of lows. Uh, one uh, one phrase I, I like about understanding this kind of a you know this kind of a, kind of an overall view of Jesus is He had infinite humility, infinite humility. You know, the cross it's a, it's a powerful thing. It's a powerful idea that that God would go that far. That God would go that low so that I could know Him, so that you could know Him. That, that, that's something that we really cannot fathom. We pause, we reflect, we take communion every Sunday to try to fathom it a little bit more. But that kind of humility, that kind of love, that kind of sacrifice, I think in some sense is beyond our reach. It's divine. And it's held only for Jesus. And that's why Jesus is so precious to us as the church. Because we start to understand when we become a Christian, like Lawrence shared so powerfully in his testimony, what Jesus did for us and why it was such an incredible thing. Because that should have been us on the cross, not him. We were the ones who, who sinned. We were the ones who cursed God. But he, he became the curse for us. As it says there in Galatians 3, verse 13. Many have tried to reflect on this great sacrifice. John Calvin wrote, I think very well, he said, for by dying in this way, referring to Jesus' death on the cross, he was not only covered with ignominy in the sight of men, but also accursed in the sight of God. So it wasn't just that Jesus uh, was cursed on the earth, he was also for a moment cursed by God. It is assuredly, he says, such an example of humility as ought to absorb the attention of all men. He goes on, it is impossible to explain it in words suitable to its greatness. And that's how I always feel whenever I start to speak of Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. I mean, how can I 
really communicate the power of what he did. There are no words any man can really state or make that can fully help us understand how infinite the humility of Jesus was and is today. And so, you know, what do we do with this, this, this grandiose and incredible view of God's humility? That he would leave heaven and, and go so low as to die on the cross for our sins. Well, then we remember what the Bible actually practically says here. Paul weaves these ideas all through this passage, this greatness of Jesus and this inspiration that it can provide for us, right? Verses 3 through 5, we looked at last, last week. You know, what, what can we do? We can, we can do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above ourselves. Not look to our own interests, but each of us to the interests of others. Again, you know, what, what, what can we do in verse 5? In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And so it, it's practical. It's infinite humility, but it can be practically applied. It's infinite humility, but it can be practically applied as Christians. And that's what's so powerful about it. Is that it's not up there in heaven that we cannot touch it and taste it. And experience it in our lives. We touch it and taste it and experience it more and more. The more we live out the same kind of humility toward each other. And that's what Paul's really calling the church to. And that's what this is calling us to. As we study out this great book uh, that Paul wrote. And so in light of Jesus' uh, great humility. It's easy for us to go, yeah, I can do a little more of that too. It's easy for us to start to think that way. I can serve the church more often. I can serve the poor more often. Forrest, you asked me to come two Fridays a month. I can come two Fridays a month with the church. I can share my faith a bit more at work. Uh, you know, I, I, I can reach out to my neighbor, you know, a bit better, better than I have. But we get that idea, and then we go away, and we start to try to live that out. And we go, oh, but wait a second. Oh, but I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. And we, and, we, and we quickly start to pull back. And not practically live out the humility that Jesus so clearly displayed. Spiritually, you know, I, I think we struggle to do the limbo, if that makes sense. Do you guys know the limbo? Do they do that in England? You know, it's the dance, you know, Jack be limbo, Jack be quick. Jack jump on the limbo stick. I don't know, I'm probably not doing it, you know, and you gotta, you gotta, you know, you gotta, there's a stick and you gotta, you know, you gotta go. Ah, you get under it, right? And then, and then they lower it a little bit more and then, you know, you gotta get a little bit lower. And, and the winner, of course, is the person who can get the lowest and keep moving forward. Because you can't just get low. If you just get low, you get stuck or you just fall back. That's what I always do. But it's the winner. The winner is the person who gets low enough but can keep moving forward. And spiritually, that's what Philippians 2 calls us all to do. We've got to get lower but keep moving forward as we do. And that's the key, I think, is, is, is that it's not just that we are to get low to be low because God wants us to, to have low self-esteem and look down on ourselves and just, just be humble and just be a doormat. And That's not where it ends, right? That's the beautiful part about this passage. It says, it goes on, right, to talk uh, toward the end of it in verses 9 through 11 at how God exalted Jesus once he got that low, at the lowest of lows that he could go. Once he did that, God then exalted him back to the highest of places. And gave him the name that is above all names. And at that name it says every person will bow and declare that Jesus is Lord. And so it's a great picture of the, when you're humble before God, you don't stay down there. You, you get lifted up by him to a much higher place than you ever could have taken 
yourself. And amen, in light of this, we ought to declare Jesus as Lord too, amen? Uh, Better to do it now when it's our choice than later on when it won't be our choice and our eternal destiny will already have been decided. You know, Jesus chose to make himself the lowest of low and because of that, God exalted him to the highest of highs. In our sinful nature, though, we often do the opposite, don't we? You know, there's Jesus way up there, there's us down here on the earth. And we're often tempted, right, to do this. To make ourselves something. To puff ourselves up, to, to ascend ourselves. You know, whether it be through our personality, whether it be through our talents, whether it be through our careers, whether it be through our offspring, whatever, you know, our name, whatever it may be, sport, whatever it may be, we tend as people uh, to try to lift ourselves up. And instead of willingly humbling ourselves before God and others, we choose often to do quite the opposite. And I think the biblical word for that is pride. Right? Pride in all of, it, it's, all of its, its various, various forms. And it's interesting, uh, as Christians, we, we know that that's not how we ought to live. And what's quite interesting in this passage is that, of course, when we do that in the church, what does it do? It causes disunity. It separates us. It creates divisions among us in our relationships uh, and, and ultimately in the church if it continues to go on. And so it's a, very, it's a very destructive thing in the church if we try to live this way because this is not the way of Christ. This is the opposite right of the way of Christ. And we looked last time at, uh, you know, do, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Remember vain conceit? We talked about how it was, the Greek phrase is literally empty glory in verse 3. Vain conceit is empty glory. You, you can do this but this is where you always end up, right? You'll be up there for a time, but the, you know, the, the, you know, the, the pride often comes before the fall, spiritually speaking, right? And so in the church we can do this, but it's going to humble us because that's not the way of Christ. And Christ is, is, is the way forward in all in every situation. And so in the end, we can be humble or get humbled. And I found in my life being humble is far easier than getting humbled. And I don't suppose you're here this afternoon because you want to get humbled. You want to be humbled just like me. Amen. So there's a lot here, uh, you know, spiritually and practically uh, that we can take away. And it's quite interesting. You know, we we tend to try to build ourselves up even in the church, dare I say. But it's also quite interesting. Even in the church, sometimes when we do this, when we try to build ourselves up, we get in these bad places. And and, and then we look at our life and they go, "Why, why am I not being lifted up? We look at our life and we say, I'm not, this is not where I want to be. And we even then, dare I say, start to question God. We haven't followed His plan of humility in our life. We haven't succumbed to His, his commands of what He wants for our life. We've, we've, we've you know, made ourselves important. And then we get humbled by such simple decisions. And then life is not working out the way we want it to. And we, and we think, why is God not coming through? Well, it's because we're not, we're not having the same mindset as Jesus oftentimes. Sometimes, sometimes we are humble. Sometimes we do what we think Jesus wants us to do, and we still feel in the same place, right? Uh, but, but most of the time, and those are times for great prayer and reflection when we feel like we are being humble, and God is still not lifting us up. But most of the time, when I look at my worst points in life, the lowest point spiritually as a Christian, I can see a lot of pride. I can see a lot of putting myself at the top. And, and so it's not really that surprising in hindsight uh, that God did not lift me to a higher in much better place. You know, the same old thinking, right? The same old thinking will produce the same old results. 
And the definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing over and over and over. That doesn't work. And our pride will, our pride will drive us mad. Our pride will turn us into Nebuchadnezzar, right? That a king in the Old Testament who is, you know, eating grass because his pride, you know, had just driven him to the edge. But hopefully we're inspired here by Jesus' example and we can see the power of humility. The power of humility. And, and, and so as we close out our time here, you know, we've got to really think about this. You know, Jesus, uh, Jesus had to go a long way from heaven to make himself nothing to dying on the cross. You know, it's a little easier for us. We're, we're, already, we're already down here in a low position compared to heaven. Jesus traveled the hypotenuse of the triangle. We don't have to travel that. But we're the ones really who need the fruit of humility far more than he did. In our sin and our struggles with pride and so on and so forth. It's a much shorter distance for us to travel. So why would we not want to be more like Christ and be humble in our lives? By doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit amongst each other. And in humility, considering others better than ourselves. You know, it's the same mindset as Jesus. That's, that's the simple thing here to really grasp today. The same mindset as Jesus. And what is amazing is as we get that more and more in our lives, God starts to bless us. He starts to lift us up more and more in our lives. And, and, and eventually we start to develop our own spiritual parabolas that are similar to Jesus's and have great results in the end as well. You know, we start to humble ourselves. You know, seek God, wisdom through the Bible. Seek wisdom through prayer. Seek advice from people in the church. Serve God's kingdom. Love God's kingdom. Re- reach out to people as God has called us to do. And, and, and God oftentimes, you know, does that and, and, and allows it to happen through humbling situations and circumstances where we have to humble ourselves. But then oftentimes as we do that, God starts to then lift us up and we realize that we're, we're far better off having followed His plan than our own. Although His plan sometimes is a little bit more painful than ours. And that's what humility often brings. It often brings greater blessing in the end. And, and, and you could take, take an area in your life as a Christian today. It could be any area. For me, I, I think about my marriage. You know, I've been married to my wife 16 years. In my family, my great-grandparents, two of my great-grandparents were divorced back when divorce wasn't common. My parents have been divorced. My older brother's been divorced. My parents' siblings have all been divorced. Divorce is just like, it's like genetic in my family. It's quite scary. And when I became a Christian, I remember thinking, oh, man, I don't, I don't know how I'm ever going to be married. I don't know how I'm going to, you know, even find a wife. You know, I came from a very, you know, a pagan background, and I didn't, I didn't respect women. I didn't treat them right. You know, I, I slept around, you know, I, uh, to my shame. That's who I was. And I remember becoming a Christian and, and learning about purity and treating women with respect and kindness and love and appreciation because God created them. And, and it just transformed my thinking. Uh, and then, when, you know, when I, when I met Mandy and finally convinced her after many, many, uh, many, many pleas to go out with me on a date. and It was amazing to, 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 to date her and eventually for her to be my girlfriend and for us to date pure. And then, when, you know, she walked down that aisle in that white dress and we had dated pure. It, it all just made such sense to me, God's plan of purity. And then now, 16 years later, as a married couple in Christ... Our marriage is strong and it's solid. It's got its challenges like any other marriage. But, but I'm more and more in love with my wife every year as it gets further down the track. It's not the other way around. But I look at my families and I see the opposite of that. What's the difference? I'm humble before Jesus. She's humble before Jesus. And he helps us keep growing closer and closer to each other in that humility. That's just one of my own spiritual parabolas in my life. 
And if you're a Christian in this room, you can probably tell your own in other areas, in other ways, how God has really blessed your life through simple humility, having that same mindset as Jesus. You know, same mindset as Jesus is something that I hope you'll grasp uh, today. And, you know, we, the, sometimes acronyms are helpful. You know, I don't know if it, it was popular in the UK back in the day, the WWJD bracelets. Did you guys have those? You know, the, and it stood for what would Jesus do, right? And you wear that bracelet. Oh, man, that's right. I got to do what Jesus would do. And it would remind you. And, uh, and that was inspiring. Well, I want to give us our own acronym today. It's SMADGE. <laughs> Same mindset as Jesus. If you're having problems in your life, things aren't going the way they ought to go, take a step back and have some smash. And the interesting thing about WWJD is often smash leads to WWJD. When you have that mindset of Christ, when you have the humility to say, He lived better than I could live, so let me follow His way, often then as we think the right way, we start to live the right way. And yeah, it's a little cheesy. I get that. But, but that's the point Paul's making here. You can get through all things if you're humble before Christ. The same mindset as Jesus. Today, where do you need more humility before God? Where do you need more humility before God? Where do you need to keep adjusting in your relationship with God? You know, that's why we take communion, to continue to reflect on where do I need to adjust in my relationship with God. And that's a vertical relationship. And that's an important relationship for us to continue to be humble before God in light of what God did for us on the cross. What other response could we have but to be humble? But it's also good to look horizontally. Because what I found in my relationships in the church is that oftentimes my pride toward God shows up in my relationships with my brothers and sisters. Because they're very closely connected. You can't, you can't really love without someone else, the Bible says, without having known God's love. And in the same way, I, I think I'm all spiritual and humble with God. But I can't be humble with my brothers and sisters. I'm deceived. I'm deceived, right? And so not only where, where do you need to be adjusting toward God, but, but maybe the answer is perhaps even found in this room. Are you making the adjustments? Am I making the adjustments that we need to make to be humble toward one another? Do I need to have that conversation? Do I need to have a conversation since we had that conversation? Do I need to just apologize? Do I need to just make sure that this person and I, that, that we're good? That everything is resolved between us? That's, that's the humility that Paul calls the church in Philippi too, Because that's what's causing their challenges in their relationships. It's their pride. Jesus did not go there. He was not proud. And he could have been. If we're following him, there's no way we can be. I love uh, 1 Peter 5, as we close out our time here. Verses 5 through 6, it, it, the context is Peter speaking to elders. And he talks about the young, young men need to be humble toward the older men in the church. And amen. I hope the young men in this church are humble to the older men. And the older men say, amen. <laughs> but then he says in verse 5, all of you, including the old men, right? Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. Whatever area you're having a challenge in in your life right now, whether it's something just personally that you're going through, whether it's something that's relational, the greatest solution Jesus gives us oftentimes is just to be humble. Not, not a doormat, not a pushover, because Jesus was not a doormat and He was not a pushover. But a Christ-like humility in that problem will oftentimes 
give us the perseverance and faith to get through it if there's no solution that ever comes or oftentimes opens up the solution uh, that was there all along that we just couldn't see because of our pride. Our, our marriage challenges, our family challenges, our relationship challenges, our ministry challenges, men and women challenges, gender, you know, cultural challenges, diversity, you know, generational challenges, whatever challenge it may be. The same mindset as Jesus can help us to find victory and solutions despite those challenges. Because God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. You know, may, may our story be this. That we can really follow in Jesus' footsteps. That we can hum- continue to humble ourselves through the challenges of life. But, but, that, but that we don't stay. We don't stay low once that happens. That God then lifts us up to a higher and much greater place. Paul makes it clear here. Jesus' story is meant to be our story. And I loved uh, Lawrence's testimony today. Thank you, Lawrence, for sharing that. Uh, you know, it was, a great, it was a great example of that. He just humbled himself before this group of people and humbled himself before God's Word and then ultimately humbled himself before the cross of Christ. And here he is today, shouting from the rooftops, offering advice to all. He's ready, he's ready to study the Bible with you if you're not a Christian right now. He's so excited about the way God's changed his life because he just humbled himself before Jesus. And Jesus has lifted him up. And we get to, we get to watch that today and praise God for that. That's an awesome thing. If you're a friend visiting with us today, what parabolous story perhaps does God have in store for you? I think God has great plans for you, and that's why He, he wants you to know His Son. But it starts oftentimes with your humility before God. Please let us know as a church how we can help you to grow in your humility before God uh, and before your, your, your fellow humans. And I do believe God will have great plans in store for you. And let us know as a church how we can help you with that. And so today, church, friends visiting, let's keep adjusting. Amen? In light of such a great God, in light of such a humble sacrifice that Jesus made by leaving heaven and coming down in the form of a man, but not just in the form of a man, in the nature, taking on the very nature of a servant, but not just taking on the very nature of a slave, dying a death on a cross. In light of that, let us be inspired to have that smudge. And if we can have that smudge, God can continue to work in our lives in our ministries, and in this church. You know, we may not have this, we may not have that, but but we can all have more and more humility in light of Jesus. And the more and more humility we have as a church, the more and more God is going to lift us up. And the more and more God is going to continue to work. He already has worked, He already is working, but He wants to continue to do more and more in our lives. And our humility, our humility will make such a difference as the challenges come in life. And so let's be a people more and more humble in life and we will be exalted more and more by our great and awesome God. And the Birmingham Church of Christ said, Amen. Amen. Thank you.